He wants to close the distance between you and Him. And through the grace and blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, He's made a way for all of us, all of us who are, were at one time far away from God, to come near. This is the good news. This is the gospel. This is God's heartbeat, His number one desire from the beginning. And we believe that His plan, His desire is our mission, our life mission, the life mission of every Christian, of every follower of Jesus Christ. And that mission is to make disciples, to share the good news. It's not a mission of of, uh, theologians. It's not a mission of, of scholars, but a mission for every single one of us who, who align our lives with Christ. And this is the direction Aspen Grove is going. This is the direction God's Spirit is leading us into. It has become our true north. And everything we do is about how each and every one of us can fulfill our life mission. To go and make disciples through the blood of Jesus Christ. To draw those who are far from God near. Amen? Amen. And as we've entered into this series about life on mission, one of the things we realize is we need more discussion. We need more conversation. And so I'm going to give you five minutes today. And I just want to give you a question to spend some time. It actually means to move around, uh, a mingle with those around you. You may actually have to move some seats. Let's make sure no one's left out. But uh, I just want you to send five minutes on a, on a question. And the question is, did you, by word or action, have an opportunity to share Christ this week? What happened? Got it? You know the question? You know what to do? No one say anything. Hold on. Do I need to give instructions again? You know what to do. All right. I want you to have a conversation with those around you about, did you have an opportunity to share Christ this week? You got it? All right. Make sure no one's alone. All right. I'm going to give you five minutes. All right. How did you do? Did you have good conversations? Anybody chicken out this week? Have a chance and thought, oh, I missed it. I know Adam's going to ask me about this on Sunday. It's tough. It's tough. Well, we're going to keep digging into this. And uh, today I want to draw out some lessons about, uh, about discipleship. And, and really today we're going to look, I mean, just at Scripture in, in a big way. And if you brought your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 8. That's where we're going to land. But as we get there, I, I want to set the stage a little bit. There was this man named Stephen. Scripture says he's a man full of grace and, and power. And, and in Jerusalem, he is, he is performing miracles and signs. He's doing these amazing acts. And, and the chief priests and teachers of the law invite him to the temple. And they, they want to talk to him and, and, and hear what's going on with him. And he begins, to preach the, he begins to preach the good news to the people who are supposed to know the good news. And they begin to accuse him. And there's this great passage in um, Acts in chapter 6, verse 15, that says, as Stephen is, is preaching to the preachers, essentially, there, there's, when he's preaching to the high council, it says his face becomes bright as an angel's. I don't know what that means, but if you ever see that happen up here to me, just somebody take a picture or wave your hand or something like that. So, But as Stephen is preaching... Um, the Jewish high council, they're, they're, they're definitely not into it, especially when Stephen gets to the part of, well, you've missed the whole point. 
Jesus is the fulfillment of everything you've believed. Jesus is the fulfillment of, of all of the of, of Torah, of, of all of the Old Testament prophets. Why aren't you putting two and two together? And set, in fact, Stephen says, instead of seeing that Jesus is the Son of God, the fulfillment of all this, what you did instead was murder him. And Scripture says they didn't take that too well. They covered their ears with their hands. They refused to listen. They drag him out of the city in rage. And as a man named Saul looks on with approval, they stone Stephen to death. And it's at this time that there's, there's great persecution. And, and what happens is the gospel, the good news of Jesus, begins to spread in uh, chapter 8, verse 4. Uh, after it says, uh, yeah, in chapter 8, verse 4, it says, but the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus everywhere they went because that man named Saul who watched Stephen's death, he takes it upon himself. He becomes the dog, the bounty hunter of Christians. Like he, he, he sets himself to destroy the church and the Christians scatter, but they take with them this message. It sounds like Acts chapter 1. It, what began in Jerusalem is now spreading to Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. This gospel begins to fan out, all because of persecution. And in chapter 8, verse 5, one example of this fanning out of the gospel is a man named Philip. Philip went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Now, if you remember our teaching last week about the, the good Samaritan, do you remember that in the Jewish mind, there's no such thing as a good Samaritan. A, a, a good Samaritan is an oxymoron because Jews and Samaritans have this constant feud Samaritans have their own beliefs about Scripture. They have their own temple. They have their own priests. They have their own way of doing things. Samaritans are the ones that partner up with the Assyrians and drag dead bodies through the temple in Jerusalem. There is no such thing as a good Samaritan to a Jewish mind. And in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in uh, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, everyone went... <coughs> And yet that is exactly where Philip finds himself. Maybe the last place they thought anyone would look. So Philip is in Samaria. He is teaching. He is healing. In verse 8 of chapter 8, it says he is bringing great joy. Or, or so there was great joy in the city because of him. And while Philip is there, he converts many people. He even converts this sorcerer. In the Greek, uh, his name is Simon, but in the Greek, I think it's actually translated Dumbledore. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, or Gandalf in Hebrew. Um, but he does this great conversion work. And, and then in Acts, Acts chapter, or chapter 8, verse 26, is where I really want us to, to get started because this incredible thing happens. And I'm just going to walk through these scriptures and speak a little bit about the lessons of discipleship that come here. It says, as, Philip, uh, as for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, have you ever been in this experience? Because uh, there is not really a location or a destination mentioned in this instruction. Do you see that? 
He doesn't tell him, I want you to go to Gaza. He just says, I want you to go south on the desert road, kind of leaning in that direction. Doesn't reveal where he's going or why. Have you ever had that experience that God gives you a direction, but he doesn't give you a destination? God does this thing all the time about revealing the first step without revealing exactly where you're going to end up. And maybe the reason that God only reveals the next step is because that God knows if we knew the destination ahead of time, we probably wouldn't go. There's a story about this in the Old Testament about a guy named Jonah. Remember? God reveals to him, I want you to go to Nineveh. And Jonah says, look, I'd rather drown. So maybe God reveals the first step just because he knows us too well. But there's a discipleship lesson in this too. And maybe the first lesson, and I'm just going to pick a couple of these things out. And it's the, the Carrie Underwood song, Jesus Take the Wheel. If any of you want to just belt that out right now, we can, we'll wait for you. That'd be, I'm not going to. But it's about trusting God with the destination. God has a reason, a purpose, a destination in mind. Philip doesn't see it. He, he, he doesn't know what, right at this point in the story, he doesn't, know, he doesn't know where he's going or where this is going to take him or how this thing is going to end up or what's even going to be asked of him. But we must be available for God to steer us. We must be ready to go. Be, be ready. Go and be, be curious. Go and expect God to follow through. And in the next couple of verses, verses 27 and 28, it says, so Philip goes. He started out. And lo and behold, he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning, seated in his carriage. He was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. All right, a couple of interesting things about this is one is that this guy had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Does that seem curious to anyone else? Um, because as as uh, as a gentile as as a foreigner as a as someone who is frankly the the wrong color and with the wrong sexual identity like he would have not been welcome at the temple yeah in fact he would have come no closer than just the the margins of of, of Judaism you know even his physical state would have disqualified him from from becoming a Jew and everything about this man radiated, it's a phrase we use when we were little kids, the two words, stranger, danger, keep away. And yet in verse 29, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. I love the Holy Spirit has to intervene in this. Um, Maybe like uh, from the story of the Good Samaritan we talked about last week, um, maybe Philip was like the priest and the Levite. I'm going to take this side of the road. You know, his, uh, uh, he thought stranger danger and immediately crossed to the other side. You know, essentially, as, as most likely a good Jewish boy, 
Philip had been taught his whole life to avoid contact with those kind of people. And so the Holy Spirit has to intervene. And maybe that's lesson number two of this discipleship. Lesson number two is just follow the Holy Spirit's lead. Holy Spirit guides, instructs, initiates, directs. Um, what I like about this too is that you don't have to force it. As you think about, as you think about discipleship, as you think about witnessing, you don't have to force it. You don't have to have to push too hard. You just have to allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and lead you. Be willing to go walk along beside. And in verse 30, it says, Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah, and Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? Maybe the next lesson is to ask questions. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about this in a couple of weeks. I'm going to move, I'm going to move fast this quickly. But ask questions. Do you really know the people around you? How well? Do you know their family? Do you know their kids' names? Questions is, is a sign of, of investment. Questions are a sign of in involvement. Do you know if they have a faith or not? Uh, have you, you know, I know you've heard the joke about two Christians meeting each other. Sometimes it's like two FBI agents meeting each other. What? You're a Christian? I'm a Christian too. It's the, it becomes this great surprise. So the, the lesson is very simply to ask questions. In verse 31, as we keep going on, and I know I'm moving quick, the man replied, the Ethiopian eunuch replied, how can I unless someone instructs me. And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. And this is a major comfort zone issue for Philip. Why? Because our whole life, we have been taught not to accept rides from strangers, right? And that is exactly what Philip is invited to do. You think Philip wondered, well, what if somebody sees me? Well, what would people think? The lesson is um, very simply to accept the invitation. There's a hard truth uh, about where we're going in this, and that is that just because the gospel is for everyone doesn't mean everyone is ready to receive it at that exact moment. Um, they just aren't. And so there's a lesson for us to, as we talk about witnessing or, or sharing our faith, we must be patient. We must be patient. Because not everyone's ready all the time. Does that make sense? And so some of you know this, even with some of your own family, you are learning this lesson of patience. I think that maybe the greatest act of love is to be patient, to wait patiently. Again, you don't have to force it. But when opportunity presents itself, maybe it happened to you this week, when an opportunity presents itself to, to share the truth of who Jesus Christ is, are you willing to take it? You don't have to force it. You can, you can be normal. But there will become, as you become available for God's Spirit to lead you and guide you and direct you, 
opportunities will become available. You just have to accept them. You have to accept the invitation. Let me ask you this question. If you were invited into someone else's life today, if they invited you into their story or if they begin to tell their story of their life or they begin to invite you in in some way, shape, or form, what would you do? Would you accept? Would you have enough time? Or would busyness prevent you from accepting an invitation? Let's keep going. In the next couple of verses... They talk about the passage that the eunuch is reading, this passage out of Isaiah. The the scripture he had been reading was, uh, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. For Philip, he knows exactly who this is about. But more interesting to me is that if he's reading this passage out of Isaiah 53, he's about to read this passage out of Isaiah 56. Look what Isaiah 56 says. Look how how profound this is. Isaiah 56 says, Don't let foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord say, The Lord will never let me be a part of his people. And don't let who? Eunuchs say, I'm a dried up tree with no children and no future. For this is what the Lord says. I will bless those eunuchs who keep my Sabbath days holy and choose to do what pleases me. Look at this. And commit their lives to me. I will give them within the walls of my house a memorial and a name far greater than sons and daughters could give. For the name I give them is an everlasting one. It will never disappear. And I will also bless the foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord. Tell me the Holy Spirit is not working in this moment. Who needs that message more than the man in that carriage at that exact moment? I will bless those eunuchs who choose to do what pleases me and commit their lives to me. I will give them a name far greater than sons and daughters could give, an everlasting name. It will never disappear. I will bless foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord. And who can speak better to this message of acceptance than Philip? Philip, who just spent his time in a Samaritan village. Philip, who just uh, even uh, came and watched a sorcerer, a sorcerer repent and come to faith. If a Samaritan can receive the Holy Spirit, Philip has to be thinking, Why not an Ethiopian eunuch? And the next message of discipleship is, the next lesson is acceptance. This message of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is for everyone. And no other religion, no other faith offers that. The good news is for everyone. Jesus says, even to the ends of the earth. And it's not for us to say or try to determine who's in and who's out. Do I need to say that again in the church? It's not for us to say or try to determine who is in and who is out. The gospel is the gospel because it is fundamentally inclusive. 
It's inclusive. It's free to everyone, but that doesn't mean that it's cheap, if that makes sense. And in verse 34, the eunuch turns around and not surprisingly has questions. Tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or, or, or someone else? And that someone else is Philip's window. Who is the prophet speaking about? Who is that someone else? And the lesson for us is to expect questions. <laughs> not only are we going to ask them, but uh, they're going to come your way. And uh, what I would encourage you to as you think about this, becoming a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, just because questions come doesn't mean that you have to have all of the answers. Uh, Jesus frequently answered questions uh, with questions, and that would be a, a good thing for you to learn. It would be a dangerous thing for you to come across as someone who has the answer, but instead point those to the one who is the answer, maybe. In verse 35, so beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. The lesson for us there is very simply, it's um, before you share the word of God, you need to know it. At, at some point, at some, at some level, you're going to need to, as First Peter says, be able to, to provide an answer for the hope that you have. And so I want to encourage you to, to dive into Scripture. I want to encourage you to, as uh, someone who, who is living in Scripture, who has become an active part of their day, what you will find is these words of Scripture, the very words of God, will fall from your lips even when you don't expect it. And there's going to be a time when your knowledge of Scripture will be important. Knowledge of God's Word is important and just as important as what you know, the memory verses that you know is maybe even more importantly, is your witness of God, the, your living knowledge, your life, how your life shows how Scripture is coming alive in you. The way you live, the way you live out Scripture, not just memorize it, is going to speak volumes. Even the fact that Philip gets into the carriage with this eunuch says something about him living out the words of God, not just memorizing them. And then verse 36. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And in the city of Jerusalem where he just came from, the, the Jews and the priests and the high council would have said everything. And Philip says nothing. And this is maybe the, the next to last discipleship lesson. Is only God can change a man's heart. I want to relieve you of the burden of converting anyone. Okay? Your job is not to convert. Your job is to witness. Right? That's a profoundly different role. Your job is to share the story of Christ. Your job is to, to draw people to Christ. 
but it is only God who can change a man's heart. Philip did not change this Ethiopian eunuch's heart. God did. And if you're like me, there's great comfort in that. Uh, because when it comes to um, changing someone's heart, I feel, I feel weak and powerless and afraid. But then I tell you, you know, that's not your job. You don't have to do that. God will take care of that part of it. Then you can be freed of that. And uh, then it, we have verse 37. Uh, if you look in your Bible, it's kind of interesting thing. Uh, um, your, your Bible actually may not include a verse 37. Uh, verse 37 is in some manuscripts and, in, and not in some manuscripts. But verse 37, if you actually have it in, your, in your, your version, says, Philip simply says, the, the eunuch says, why can't I be baptized? And, and Philip says, you can. If you believe that with all your heart, and the eunuch replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and then 38 and 39, and he gave orders to stop the chariot, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him, and when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Now, if someone asks you, what's the purpose of the church? Or, or someone, I, I doubt they would use this language, but if someone asks you, what is the mission of the church? All you have to tell them is this story. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch is the entire book of Acts in a nutshell. If you want to condense this whole book into the, 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 the crib notes, like all you have to read is this story. It is the entire book of Acts in a nutshell. It is Jesus' instruction for us in a nutshell. And it's the life mission of every believer in a nutshell. I want to invite the worship team to come back up, and I just want to review a couple of these things as we wrap up our time together. And I, I don't know, I, I, I saw eight, but maybe you can see more. It, it's not listed out in Scripture. This is number one. This is number two. But the discipleship lessons that are here for us as we choose a life on mission are about allowing Jesus to take the wheel, allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us, asking questions, accepting the, the invitation when it comes, being patient for that moment, waiting for that moment, pray, even praying for that moment. But when it comes, having the courage to accept it, accepting others as, as a practice, as, as a way of life, expecting questions. Don't feel like you have to have all the answers. Knowing the word of God and then realizing that only God can change a heart. But there's one thing that's missing from this list. It's, it's, it's missing from this story. At least, at least maybe it's implied, but it, it's, it's not written there. there there's one step. There's, there's one uh, lesson mission from this story that, that's not there. Do, do any of you know what it is? It's what happens next. You see, I think most churches, if an Ethiopian eunuch came today and we baptized him, we would celebrate that as a, as a tremendous win for our church. 
But I want to encourage you that baptism is not the end goal. Even, even life's given to, to God is not necessarily completely the end goal. The angels rejoice in heaven when the eunuch commits his life to Christ. But the question remains, will he follow the example of Philip and do the same? And we don't know. We don't know the rest of the eunuch's story. I'm assuming he's headed back to, back to Africa. Who knows, maybe he could be one of my son's like early, 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 early descendants. I have a son adopted from Ethiopia. The question is, when he gets home, does he share what Philip shared with him? As a new disciple, a, a disciple of Jesus Christ, will he commit himself to a life on mission, to a, to a life of making disciples of every nation. And here's where our church in North America has got it wrong because for so long, all we wanted, all we expected was for you to give your life to Christ. And that was it. You could, you, we would say you could become a follower of Jesus Christ and not be a disciple. Discipleship was somehow optional, but it's not. To live a full life dedicated to Christ means to commit yourself to the life mission of God. You are on, as the Blues Brothers say, you are on a mission from God. You really are. And that mission is about every single person, about drawing those who are far from God near. So what do you think? Do you think this, <laughs> this Mr. Stranger Danger himself, do you think he entered the mission of God? How about you? Are you ready to not only admire the example of Philip, but are you ready to follow it? To do as he did to enter your life mission with God, to be a witness of Jesus Christ in your, in your home, in your office, and where you bought donuts this morning. This is what life on mission is about. This morning, if we can pray for you we're going to sing a song, and uh, I love this song that, that, that we're doing. And maybe it's the time for you to respond, and we want the chance to pray for you for sure. And, and maybe like the eunuch, you're, you're thinking, there's some water. What's stopping me? And the answer is nothing. We're here to receive you. We'd love to baptize you today into Jesus Christ and help you grab hold of your life mission. If you'd like to respond, I'm going to move to the back, and I'll receive you there. Why don't you stand as we sing together?